Tuning in to the 437th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Air Radio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting or platform you may be listening to me via. <clears throat> Being recorded from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, per usual, going to have LaCroix on. First time ever guest on the barber shop, so that should be fun. We talk a lot of NBA predictions for the NBA Finals, Celtics versus Warriors, some of his favorite all-time teams. We talk about Jason Tatum's peak and apex, and we talk about some of the best players in the league right now. So great conversation. Now, before we get to that conversation, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family. Whether it be via Red Threats, Facebook groups, etc., etc., uh, check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, you can click on the timestamp and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Follow me on Twitter at Nitrate underscore Lane. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find it. I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. For some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Cut up next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have LaCroix on the show. Cut up next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a special first-time guest with us, LaCroix. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Nice to be here. So, got to ask you this. Finals predictions, Celtics versus Warriors, who you got and why? Oh, I'm going to tend to lean on the Celtics. Um, I like the the youth, and uh, I like the coaching. And uh, I think uh, their great defense and uh, tenacity is uh, going to uh, pull them over the top. We have uh, Jason Tatum uh, on the rise, uh, Marcus Smart, uh, which uh, we expect that to be a great matchup between him uh, and Steph. And... Also, a hungry Al Horford. Uh, I think that's uh, uh, going to be a little bit more uh, than the aging Warriors uh, can handle. So how many games you got the Celtics in? Are you thinking six then? Or do you think it's going to go seven? Oh, I think it's, I think it's going to go in six. Uh, but all this barring injury, you know. Uh, that's one thing 
uh, that, you know, uh, throws everything, throws all the predictions out the window, uh, you know, all barring injury. So for me, I have the Warriors. They can go with the Warriors in seven. And I understand all your points with the Celtics, the defense, Tatum's emergence as a superstar, uh, Ime Yudoka, the, the great coaching that he's done. I mean, he's one of the bright young coaches in this league. You can just kind of tell how he talks at the press conference. He's a guy who really gets it, and the players really respond and respect him, and it's the intensity they play for and how mindful and intentional he is with everything. But my thing is... I still worry about the Celtics, their ball handling and decision-making. I thought there were times in the Milwaukee series where their guards would struggle to dribble the ball up court. You didn't really see that as much in the Miami series, but the Miami series, particularly in Game 7, those last two to three minutes were shaky. When they didn't have, when the Celtics didn't have a timeout and Boston just had to just play, which I think that's another sign of your team, right? Your point guard, uh, the smart players you have on the court, like who's bringing the ball up, who's making sure the right guys get the ball, get the team into their offense. Like Miami just blitzed them and came all the way back and were Jimmy Butler short three away from losing that game. So what would you say to stuff like that where I have concerns about their decision-making on a possession-to-possession basis, but specifically when you're talking about a Warriors team that doesn't really make mistakes. They play together, they have continuity, they have veteran leadership, and they know what they want to do. Yes, I would say that's, um, that's just a matter of uh, being disciplined, sticking at the game plan. Of course, they don't uh, have the lengthy finals experience, but um, I think uh, the veteran presence they do have uh, will definitely come to play. Um, we did see, you know, flashes of what could be uh, when uh, Jason Tatum had uh, scored, you know, 11 straight points uh, in the clutch to um, uh, bring them over the top uh, and uh, the Milwaukee series. Uh, I'm pretty confident that, you know, um, that's something that can, you know, look over film and uh, make better ball handling decisions over down the stretch. So when we talk about legacies and who has the most to gain from this finals on both sides, who do you think is the player that has the most to gain? Because, right, if Tatum wins, I think people really start more taking him more seriously as a superstar in this league. Steph, obviously that puts him in four championships. I think there is on Kerr for where Kerr, Kerr is in the greatest coaches of all time hierarchy, the Warriors organization being light years ahead. Like, who do you think has the most to gain from this finals? Um... I would say uh, that uh, Steph uh, probably has the most to gain uh, because uh, one thing that's missing from his legacy uh, is that uh, finals MVP. I mean, many people uh, believe he should have got the first one over Andre Iguodala. Um, However, I guess since he was uh, guarding LeBron, and uh, at that time, uh, LeBron was peaking, uh, that was something that was notable. But getting that finals MVP, uh, helping him add to his legacy, he would really have no other uh, individual accolades that um, he would have left, maybe except Defensive Player of the Year. uh, so that would definitely be big for Steph. Uh, you know, Jason Tatum 
and uh, the Celtics, uh, they're on the rise. Um, uh, Jason Tatum was uh, Kobe's uh, disciple, and uh, he strives for greatness, and that would, you know, uh, definitely solidify, you know, his place as, you know, uh, top guard in this league, but... Um, as far as overall legacy, this would just be uh, the first of many. While uh, Steph, uh, his his career is uh, he's definitely uh, uh, inching toward the latter part of his prime. So let's say the Celtics win this because that's your prediction, right? Uh, Boston wins in six. Obviously, that happens. Tatum's going to have to play pretty well. So far, I believe he leads all total players in points uh, this postseason. Uh, he was in a series in the first round where he thoroughly outplayed Kevin Durant on both ends of the court while they were guarding each other. Uh, he went toe-to-toe with Giannis Antetokounmpo, who most people think is the best player in the NBA. Uh, and he had his down moments in the Miami Heat series, but I would say... Uh, he was probably the best player that he series. I guess you could argue him or Jimmy Butler. So if he puts together this run, uh, do you think that puts? Where do you think that puts Jimmy Butler in terms of his place in the league? Does that solidify him as a top five player? Is he for sure better than a guy like Durant? Uh, better than Jokic, Luka? I think most people would still say Giannis is number one. Or do you think that would make him and Giannis a conversation? Where do you think that puts Jason Tatum? Uh. I would say uh, Jason Tatum would be uh, number number three in the league. Um, I would say that because uh, Jason Tatum, he also has, you know, he has plenty of help on his team. Um, the team dynamic is something that people don't really uh, take into account when they're saying who's the best. Um and that kind of dips into the MVP discussion um, uh, this year. Uh, but Jason Tatum, he does have Jalen Brown, and Jalen Brown, you know, he definitely puts up numbers and uh, uh, plays good defense. Uh, same thing, Marcus Smart uh, and uh, Al Horford uh, are pretty good complementary pieces. Um, now, uh, uh, you know, on the flip side, uh, uh, we must say that uh, Jason Tatum definitely has had uh, one of the fastest um, uh, uh, spurts, uh, you know, from rookie to uh, for, from rookie year to now. Actually, I think his first year, uh, he went to the conference finals uh, against LeBron's Cavs and uh, just came up a little short. Um, but uh, I think he just needs, uh, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, to prove to me that, you know, um, uh, he, he's uh, the top guard um, if he wins. So you said if Tatum wins, you put him third in the NBA. So who would be your one and two then? Okay, uh, top guard in the league, uh, looking at uh, the, the, the roster and uh, taking in consideration 
the team built around him. I am, I'm inclined to say that it would be um, uh, my man uh, from the Clippers. Uh, he's been injured uh, much of, uh, or in spurts. Um, and that would be, oh, why am I not thinking his name? Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, no. Paul George? Uh, uh, yes, Paul George. I would say he's a top guard. Um, whether or not Kawhi's in, in, in the roster, uh, whoever's coming in and out, he's been, he's just been, uh, solid for his team. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, if he was 100% healthy, all right, you know, he'd definitely be making noise. All right. Um, after that, uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to put Steph. Steph is number two. Um, just his gravity on the court, making, missing, uh, establishing the culture. Uh, you know, building back, um, that's, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely something. Actually, he made a pretty good MVP run for, you know, a stretch of the season. He's been doing that, uh, you know, for the past two seasons, actually. And, um, you know, uh, fortunately, uh, Steph, uh, so you'd have Steph one, and then Paul George two. I have, uh, I have Paul George one, Steph two. Okay, so you have Paul George as number one player in the NBA. Oh no, number one guard. Oh, okay, number one guard. Okay, okay, yes, okay, okay. Okay, okay, so we got that clarified. Number one guard. At first, I thought you meant overall players. I was like, what? Okay. Uh, no, just wanted to make sure. Just wanted to make no, sure. No. Okay, so the, that's interesting of itself. So, you, okay, so out of the guard, so Paul George won Steph two. Why do you have Paul George ahead of a guy like Steph Curry? Because I think that's interesting because not a lot of people uh, would have Paul George in that class. I don't think a lot of people would have Paul George over guys like Durant or LeBron. Okay. All, right. All, right. All right, Not so not only am I taking an account the offensive side of the ball, I'm looking at the defense as well. All right, so uh, how often does Steph take the toughest assignment? Never. All right. Clay does. does or wins. Well, there you go. All right. Also, all right. Uh, uh, Steph, uh, Steph uh, in the clutch. All right. I know a Warriors, you know, uh, they have, uh, you know, a team, a team concept, you know, how, how often can, you know, Steph uh, be given the ball isolation and get a shot, all right, regardless of the system, uh, regardless uh, of who's defending him. All right, and that's 
access to the luxury that you have of Paul George. All right. Uh, step back, screen, no screen, fade, going to the paint, uh, dunking on someone, contact, I think it just makes Paul George uh, a better uh, a better overall scoring or uh, uh, asset. So where would you put guys like Kawhi, and this is interesting now, right? Because now we're kind of talking about the hierarchy of the league. So where would you put Kawhi, Durant, and LeBron, and Giannis? I mean, Giannis is definitely a forward, but would you consider LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Kawhi guards as well? In that universe? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know the new wave of the NBA. Uh, got positionless basketball and whatnot. Um, I'm thinking that... Uh, I'm thinking that most of the people you mentioned are actually forwards. Like, Kawhi, that's a forward to me. Um, that, that's looking at it from the old, you know, the old head NBA. Um, uh, but just overall NBA ranking right now, I, I have no choice but to say Giannis number one. I don't care what this year's uh, MVP ranking said. Um, Giannis is better overall than Jokic. But Jokic, you know, he's definitely up uh, in my top 10. Um, but I'm going to say it's uh, Giannis at number one. You know, his body of work, way he can do offense, defense. No one, <laughs> no one, everyone knows the Euro stuff is coming. Uh, but no one. No one one on one could can do anything with it. Uh, next, I would say <laughs> it would be uh, Joel and B. Um, what he's been able to do, Harden, no Harden, uh, Ben Simmons, no Ben Simmons, uh, roster changes, what have you. He's been solid, and again, no one can guard him one on one. say uh, Paul George then then Steph um, I can't put uh, LeBron in my top five just because we've seen what happened in LA uh, from the uh, from the three years we've seen so far We only seen uh, one championships, and the rest have been uh, no playoff, uh, no no playoff berths. So overall, all time, you know, he's definitely up there. But all right, he's definitely have to show something uh, for it. Um, then I will put Jason Tatum, uh, then Jokic. And so on. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then kind of max out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to talk a little bit about Jason Tatum and his peak as a basketball player. Kind of max out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Success in 
life comes when you simply refuse to give up. On a mission so strong that obstacles like failure and loss only act as motivation. I mean, like, no one has the power to shatter your dreams unless you put something telling me to stop. I never do that in the name of love until I've given it Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have LaCroix with us. So, Jason Tatum. Uh, his peak, and I think it's interesting because, right, first year in the league, rookie, I think average like 13 points per game, bumped that up to like 18 in the playoffs, goes to the conference finals as the best player on his team, which is something that you don't see a lot in this league from young guys. You think of guys who did that. Magic did that, Duncan did that in the second year. It's not something that happens when guys have that type of impact on winning that early. So where are we in Tatum's development right now for you? And then the second part of this question is, how high can you go? What does his apex, what does his peak look like as a basketball player? Okay, right now, um, I'm thinking we are in the early part of his prime. Um, uh, he's uh, definitely uh, progressed uh, vastly from his rookie of the year. I mean, um, uh, he didn't win most improved player of the year, but... Um, uh, He's definitely uh, more consistent. He's increased his assists. So now uh, when he gets those double teams, you know, he has more uh, chemistry and trust in his teammates. Uh, we're seeing that. Uh, and uh, his his relationship and uh, his uh, his, his, his toolage from uh, the late, great uh, Kobe Bryant is uh, coming to be, uh, uh, coming, uh, is helping him uh, come into his own uh, as uh, one of the, one of the uh, young rising faces of the league and emulating, you know, his mentality. So uh, his ceiling I think uh, he's definitely going to be on uh, uh, one of the premier guards moving forward. Um, and the way Tatum can put up points, you know, I would, I would definitely see them, see him um, uh, making one of those uh, top five, top at least top ten points uh, at his position. So, I have a little thing I do with basketball players and athletes in general. Like, I call it the uh, evolution of them. The 1.0, the 2.0, the 3.0, the 4.0 version. So, for example, let's do Michael Jordan. Jordan 1.0 is early Jordan, scoring a lot of points, air Jordan, but not winning a lot of games, right? 2.0 Jordan is when Phil Jackson gets in there. He learns to trust his teammates, becoming more of a two-way player, uh, learning to play in the triangle, and kind of learning how to win. That's... Michael Jordan 2.0. Michael Jordan 3.0 is Michael Jordan uh, for the last run, the last dance bulls, 96 to 98. That's the Jordan that's not the athletic guy he used to be, but stronger, understands the game better, knows what he's doing, uh, can control the pace of the game. Uh, really good shooter, but proving a shot. A deadly mid-range jump shooter, great in the post. And then Jordan 4.0 is at the end of his career, which a lot of people like to talk about. Uh, Wizards Jordan, where uh, not what he wants, not even near what he once was, but still a guy you can average 20 points per game. 
So where do you think Jason Tatum is in his evolution? I think for me, he's in that 2.0 stage or kind of nearing that 2.0 stage where it's like, okay, starting to improve his passing. He's a lot different player than he was uh, the first few years in the league. Uh, he's becoming a little bit more efficient. Uh, he's gotten stronger. Uh, he's been able to take the challenges on the defensive end of the court. What do you, so for me, my question for you is where do you see Tatum's evolution right now? Yeah, that seems just about right. Um, uh, he, he's, he, he's definitely um, uh, put in the work. Uh, and, you know, earlier earlier on, you know, he was seen kind of like a volume score. And uh, that's not, uh, you know, conducive to winning basketball, at least not at, on the playoff on the, on the highest level. All right, because as we see in the playoffs, you know, uh, you know, guys are going to uh, box out and scramble for the rebound. You're not going to be able to. Uh, you can't rely on a, a second shot attempts. All right, so you have to be uh, careful with the basketball. That's definitely something he's improved, and you know, uh, he, with the work ethic. Uh, that he learned from uh, Kobe Bryant, I, I can only see him improving uh, his game, uh, maybe extending his three-point range. Um, you know, he's, he's great off the dribble, uh, stepping into the three. Um, he definitely slashes in the paint. Uh, assists. Um, you know, one thing uh, might be great, maybe, uh, if he increases his rebounds. Rebounds per game, I think that's something missing. Uh, use some of that, uh, you know, uh, explosive explosive athleticism. Uh, and uh, you, you just don't know. Um, we've seen uh, Russ, as a guard, you know, uh, average a triple-double, you know, rebounds, I think. Um, Tatum is just as capable. So for me, and Tatum, as a scorer, he's really getting there too this year. He was like at 27 a game. 6.2 free throw attempts uh, per game this year, which is a career high. Uh, I think for me to be an elite, a truly elite scorer, which all the, the guys, we're talking about the Pantheon out of the league, uh, the Pantheon of the league, uh, Durant, Kobe, all these guys, what they mastered was getting to the free throw line, getting those easy shots that can get you into a rhythm. And usually that gets to about 10 a game, uh, maybe on the low end nine, but getting around where you're around 10 free throws a game. Could you see him getting to the point where he's just a bona fide 30 point per game scorer year after year after year like those guys? Um, now we're looking at, when you talk about fouls in the free throw line, I guess we're talking about the evolution of basketball itself. Um, because um, the trend now, you know, thanks to uh, that man's stuff, um, uh, the willingness to take contact and the preference for the three-point uh, three shot kind of shies, uh, you know, many wing players from, you know, going to the free throw line, you know. Um, uh, but with Tatum, his build, you know, he's gotten stronger, he's tall, you know. Um, 
it'd be nice to see him, you know, take post ups more. Um, you know, I think uh, the coaching staff at the Celtics uh, uh, with uh, Idoka uh, leading could definitely make more make more uh, 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 plays so we can uh, get into the lane, either cause havoc, you know, going going up for a shot or a dump off. You know, I think that would do that would do wonders for his game. Um, so. I want to go to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, there's a lot of turmoil there going on. Uh, there's what's going to happen with Kyrie. Uh, is Durant happy? Apparently, he's not talking to people at the Brooklyn Nets organization. Ben Simmons still hasn't played. What do you think is going on with Ben Simmons? Um, you know, uh, with uh, NBA players and social media, you know, I think it's uh, kind of easy to... Um, get wrapped up in, in the, you know, uh, the superstar lifestyle. And, you know, some players uh, just, you know, prioritize off the court uh, issues and um, uh, that lifestyle uh, ahead of basketball. And I'm inclined to say uh, that's maybe affecting uh, Ben Simmons. Um, uh, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, get into uh, rumors and too much of the players' personal lives, but, you know, uh, it's pretty well known that, you know, dealings with the Kardashians, you know, doesn't always end up too well for uh, players' careers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, but that's neither the here nor there. I mean, ask um, Devin Booker. Who do you do you think Ben Simmons will play a game for the Brooklyn Nets? Um, I do think so. Um, uh, you know, Ben Simmons uh, is uh, definitely you know a, a player that um, I can see him uh, uh, gelling with. Kevin Durant and uh, Coach Nash. Um, one of the reasons that 
there was a breakup between uh, Joel and B and uh, Simmons is uh, there was friction in the relationship and uh, the fan base you know uh, there was a big fallout uh, so I think not only is New York probably a better market for uh, someone like Ben Simmons um, it, it, you know it's probably a better uh, roster uh, roster fit um, uh, regardless of if Kyrie is in the roster, I think um, Ben Simmons would be a tough guard for uh, most teams, especially if he decides to attempt jumpers. Uh, and they would be a defensive powerhouse as well. Uh, you see uh, a tall a tall guard or someone who, who can defend uh, the guard position and KD at the front line. Um, that would be that would be something to watch. So, if you could put your faith in any of these three guys, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, James Harden, who's the most reliable to the least reliable out of all three? Oh, KD, without question, is the most reliable. No, no, I'm saying Harden out of Harden, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons. Oh, Harden, Kyrie. Um, that's a tough question. Um, I think Harden it would be number one. Um, Harden, it doesn't seem he's not a player that is injury prone or uh, has too much uh, that keeps him off the court. Uh, of course, we know what type of lifestyle he prefers, and you know he definitely loves his fashion, but. On the court, seems like on the court for Harden. Uh, now, when you're talking about Kyrie and Ben Simmons, um, that's definitely this definitely up in the air. You know, <clears throat> this era of social media, um, and you know, uh, uh, easy easy access to the press, and you know, uh, you know, lifestyle under the microscope. Uh, it's it, it's kind of hard to, to see where um, uh, Kyrie's mind is at, you know, day to day. And Ben Simmons, you know, uh, we're not hundred percent sure, uh, you know, uh, when when he's focused on basketball. So now we're gonna go to this. Lastly, give me some of your favorite all-time teams to watch. some teams, you know, um, that, you know, whenever they come up on your local listings, it's, it's must-see TV. And, you know, uh, going down to my era, uh, when uh, I started watching ball, uh, there were some teams that, you know, I, I just couldn't, uh, I, could, I couldn't uh, not watch them. And... Uh, they were uh, the Kings, uh, the 2000 Kings uh, with uh, C. Webb, uh, Stoyakovich, White Chocolate, Jason Williams, um, the Mike Bibby, uh, uh, and um, 
Oh, what was this? What what was the sender's name? Uh, For the Kings. Yes. Um. He, he he's the owner now. Oh, Vladi Vladi Divac. Yeah, yeah, Vladi. Yes. Matter of fact, I believe he was the Jokic before Jokic in his prime. Oh, really? Please the explain. Way, the way the way he can pass the ball was was sensation. Um. But that team, it was, it was running, it was a running gun team, um, you know, terrific passing, and they actually went toe to toe with the Lakers, and uh, fortunately, a few bad calls away from the final. So that was definitely a fun team. Um, the Bulls, uh, the last year. Uh, that uh, Jordan went at it. That was that was a pretty fun team to watch. Uh, of course, uh, Jordan, Jordan, the clutch, and uh, uh, Pippen as his running mate. That was real cool. Uh, the Kobe Shaq Lakers. All right. Um, it was it was just that one two punch. Uh, the Showtime. I'm going on the fast break. You know. It always kept you on your heels, and of course, big shot Robert Horry. Um, that was that was super clutch. Um, I love watching uh, watching uh, Lakers during their playoff run. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, the J Kid Maps um, when Dirk uh, when Dirk was uh, leading their team. Uh, it was really fun to watch. They had uh, they had uh, some some really uh, cool high flyers. Uh, Sean Marion, uh, Tyson Chandler, Karan Butler, Deshaun Stevens. Oh yeah, you know um, some really explosive uh, explosive talents. Um, they were. Selfish, and you know they they played together, so you definitely saw the chemistry. It was uh, it was wonderful to watch. Um, the Steve Nash sons, um, Steve, Steve uh, Nash, you know he was such uh, such a willing passer, and he had uh, uh, players to run with him like uh, Mark Stoudemire. Um, and um, I think, I, you know, I think uh, had had the team stayed uh, stayed together for longer, you know, maybe um, maybe that that could have developed into a, a championship team. Um, so in recent history, I think um, those uh, plus the the. Uh, the pre-KD Warriors were the best team, uh, the best teams uh, from my era, uh, for sure. I'm going to let you go on the show, man. I appreciate it. Oh, man, it was, it was a pleasure. Time flies. And once again, I want to thank LaCroix for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. 
and I will thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 437th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.